Tonight it's just going to be a quick verse, and I'll explain uh, here in a minute what we're doing, but tonight it's just 1 John 2.6, just kind of as a launching point to remind us of what we've been called to. So let me pray before we just read that short verse together. We're going to think about this doctrine together. Father, we are thankful that you have given your Son to sinners, that we could sing words that truly we have no right to sing apart from your amazing grace. Jesus is ours. He's mine. Do pray that even this evening, that would be true of all of us that sit in this place. For those of us that that is true of this morning, would you teach us, even give us some help as we seek to fight the good fight of faith in this life, as we cling to our Savior, even as he clings to us. We pray all of this in the strong name of Christ. Amen. First John 2.6 Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2.6 uh, Think about sanctification together tonight. Uh, well, John, <laughs> for the service... Uh, I probably should have prepped a little more what I was saying this morning because I said, I think in the second service, I said something like we're going to look at it differently tonight. And John said, I'm so excited because it's, I find sanctification incredibly hard, so I'm happy to look at it differently. Uh, no, not differently like that. Uh, I think we would all want to do sanctification maybe a little differently. Um, but what I want to do tonight is think about uh, the doctrine together and uh, not so much walk through the doctrine together as give some encouragements towards it. So not so much a sermon tonight, um, definitely not an exegetical sermon. Uh, but before we think about it together, I want us to note where sanctification falls in the ordo salutis or in the order of salvation. Because one cannot walk as Christ walked without being in Christ. And one cannot be in Christ apart from being called in Christ, regenerated in Christ, given the gift of faith in Christ, be led in repentance in Christ, in essence, be in union with Christ. You can't walk as Christ walked apart from being in Christ. Jesus said, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are to walk as he walked, but it's impossible to walk as Jesus walked apart from Jesus. An impossibility. He's our example. You often hear people say that. He sets an example before us. We're to follow that example. That's very true. But he can't just be a mere example to you. It doesn't work that way. You, you don't have the ability to follow his example. 
One must abide in Him, dwell in Him, and He in them. The Christian lives their life by the power of Christ and in the sphere of Christ. In Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. And it is only in that way that you and I can do what the Apostle Paul says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do to the glory of God. That's the only way you can even seek to live that kind of way. Is that you're in Christ. Sanctification starts here as a work of God's Spirit indwelling us and leading us. It's a work of God's Spirit indwelling us and leading us. Westminster Shorter Catechism says it this way, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. That is, it's a work of God's Spirit in us. It's a work of His grace where you and I, by virtue of that grace, are seeking to work out our salvation, as Paul will say, with fear and trembling, where we recognize that we're trying to put to death the sins that remain in us. And we're trying to give life to the righteousness that we see in ourselves. Seeking to grow in grace, put to death sin. And in that way, you see that it's a battle. This is a battle. We are to be holy as He is holy. Sanctification, the reason I want to do it this way tonight, I think is something that any URC regular attendee that comes to an evening service, you have heard a lot of things on sanctification I especially think of Pastor Kevin's sermons back on Romans 6 where he led you wonderfully through uh, sanctification, the doctrine of sanctification, and that we have been set free from the power of sin, the dominion of sin, and walking through that and all that that means for the Christian life. And so I would point you back to that sermon series that he did just earlier this year. But I thought what would be helpful maybe tonight is just to talk about it in this kind of way. I want to give you 12 encouragements this evening. 12 encouragements regarding sanctification. And then one overarching encouragement. Couldn't say I was going to give you 13. That doesn't sound right. So I'm giving you 12, and then I'm giving you one overarching one at the end this evening. As we seek to walk in the same way in which he walked. First, Know the difference between union and communion with Christ. There can be no communion without union. That's what I tried to set us up with here at the very beginning. You can't have communion with Christ apart from union with Christ. But those two things are different. There can be union with very little communion. J.C. Ryle said it this way, he said, Union is the common privilege of all who feel their sins and truly repent and come to Christ by faith and are accepted, forgiven, and justified in Him. But then he says this, and rightfully, too many believers, it may be feared, never get beyond this stage. Partly from ignorance, partly from laziness, partly from fear of man, partly from secret love of the world, 
partly from some unmortified besetting sin, they are content with little faith and little hope and a little peace and a little measure of holiness, and they live on all their lives in this condition, doubting, weak, halting, and bearing fruit only 30-fold to the very end of their days. There's a difference between union and communion. You're united to Christ. Praise God you're united to Christ. And you just seek to grow in your communion with Christ. To enjoy all the benefits and freedoms that you can in this life. And to do that takes true pursuit. Communion. Second, in light of that, and they're going to build on each other, strive forward in communion. Strive forward in communion. The language is replete throughout the Scriptures. Strive, labor, fight, contend, work out. It's effort. It's working at it, striving. All biblical words, do not rest upon your laurels. I fear that this is the great malady. I, I, I watch it now with my peers, middle-aged people, and I watch it in older saints. This to me is the great malady. There's this tendency to look back and count all that was done for Christ, all that you survived, all that you grew through, and that is good not a wrong thing to do. It's a right thing to do to look back. It's actually quite encouraging at times. But it is not encouraging if we look back and aren't straining forward. Have to be straining forward to the very end of your days. It's like that middle-aged man that every time you talk to him, he regales you about how he was a star high school quarterback. And he does so as he his belly is hanging out and he's got a tight-fitting t-shirt and you feel like that next piece of pizza he eats, he could have a heart attack and die. You don't just look back. It matters what you are today. Striving today. Paul says in Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. A Christian is focused on their sanctification and is striving forward. Third, in that regard, realize that duty is not a four-letter word. Duty is not a four-letter word. You have a duty. You have obligations. You've been purchased with a price. You are not your own, as the Apostle says. He says, for me to live is Christ. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus said in John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John says in 1 John, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome we put off we put on we mortify the deeds of the flesh we vivify the deeds of righteousness there's obligation in Christ duty 
is not a four-letter word for the Christian. It's a way of life. And we don't do it perfectly, not in this life, but we desire to do so, and we even aim to do so. Fourth, remember you are a pilgrim. So essential for sanctification. You're aimed at heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, said Jesus. Store your treasures there where moth and rust don't eat it away and cannot destroy. So many Christians get tied down with worldly concerns and worldly difficulties and worldly entanglements. This isn't your home. This isn't it. So you're preparing yourself more and more for your home to come, your eternal home. So don't get distracted. It seems like everything in our world feels very important and everything in our world seems to be pressing and almost none of it is. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Just a pilgrim passing through. It leads to the next fifth. And quickly follows on this one. Impress upon yourself that today matters. It's true, you're a pilgrim passing through, but that doesn't mean that today doesn't matter. It matters. Just because this world is passing away doesn't mean that your life, your next day, your next hour doesn't matter. It eternally matters. We are to be engaged with Christ in all that we do and ready at any moment for His return or His taking of us home. Remember, Jesus tells that parable of the ten virgins that are waiting for the bridegroom to come and there are five that He says are wise and there are five that are foolish and the five that are wise, they prepare for His coming by getting their lamps ready with oil. But He says the five that were foolish, they were lazy. And they weren't prepared for the coming. They put off what needed to be done. At any moment, Jesus can take you home. At any moment. At any moment, He can return upon the clouds. What you do today matters. Remember Edwards you know, in his resolutions that he started writing when he was, what, 15 or 16 years old? 18 years old. 18 years old. Uh, one of the resolutions that most stands out in my mind goes something like this. I would not be caught doing any hour what I would be ashamed to do if the Lord returned upon the clouds in that hour. It matters what you do today. new Bible reading program you want to start to re-engage the Bible with doesn't need to wait for the new year. Start today. Today matters. You fell into sin last night or racked with guilt. Okay. All right. Confess. Repent. And look to Christ today. This hour. Don't wait for tomorrow. One of the saddest conversations I had in pastoral ministry was in the first couple of years that I was a pastor, I was sitting down with an older pastor, and 
I think he was doing it as a warning to me and he was telling me about how he had not loved his wife well. They had been married for 40 some years. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, love her well now. I remember him saying to me in reply, Jason, it's too late. No. <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late to labor for the glory of Christ. It's never too late to seek to be conformed more to his likeness. No matter what sins you committed, no matter what errors you have fallen into, no matter what habits mark your life, it's never too late. Today matters. Don't be like the man who resolves that he will go to such and such a place someday, but he never takes a step towards that place. Strive by his grace today. Today. Six. Tend to his means. Tend to his means. To be clear, you will make no progress in Christ apart from the diligent use of his means. None. The Christian life isn't magic. It doesn't just kind of happen that there is progress in Christ because the stars align and the sun shines on you. That's not how it works. That's not how God has ordained it. Christ has ordained means for our growth, for our nurture, for our encouragement in Him. If we are not reading the Bible, if we are not praying, if we are not coming to the Lord's table, if we are not reflecting upon our baptism, if we are not attending corporate worship, if we're not enjoying the fellowship of the saints, we shouldn't be surprised that we make little to no progress in our sanctification. This is what He uses. This is what He's ordained. Most, if not all, Backsliding in the Christian life is due to a lack of attending to the means God has given to us to communicate His grace to us. But again, it's not magical. His means are not a rabbit's lucky foot as if by opening the Bible and reading a few verses or saying a quick dull prayer or checking the box of walking in these doors each Sunday magically makes you grow in Christ. It's what I spoke about this morning. It is diligent, reflective, soul-searching, heart-engaged, mind-attentive, humble use of the means that Christ uses for our growth. And this is in part the difference between the most learned Christians and the most holy Christians. The most holy Christians have applied these truths to themselves. They've been affected by it. That leads to the next. Seventh. Know that your sanctification is ultimately a work of Christ. That's why we attend to His means. It's the Spirit of Christ work in us causes the growth. So though we strive, though we use His means, we are wholly dependent upon Christ. There is no satisfaction apart from divine working. And so as we seek to use His means, we do 
as it has been said throughout the centuries, we use the means as vigorously as if you were to be saved by your own efforts, and yet trust entirely to the grace of God as if you made use of no means whatsoever. That's what it looks like. You pour yourself completely into these means as if using them is what will ultimately save your soul. And then you rest, trusting entirely the grace of God as if you use no means whatsoever. That's why it often goes together in the Christian life, right? That we strive and we rest. That we fight and we're at peace. And you could go on and on. There's this constant tension of the Christian life because both of these things are true. Eighth, be watchful. Be watchful. Sanctification recognizes that we are in a battle. Jesus instructed His disciples as He took them out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he said that they were to watch and to pray. You are a night watchman upon the walls of the city. And there are enemies that are seeking to probe the city walls of your life. There is the world out there. There is Satan out there. There are the sins of the flesh. And they are all just looking for different weaknesses in the walls to penetrate. So you have to be watchful. Paul says in Ephesians 5, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. He will say in 1 Corinthians 10, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Be on guard against sin, against temptation, against false teaching, against worldly distractions. Watch and pray, Jesus said. I'll offer one particular encouragement along these lines. Too often we feel like we have significantly matured in some specific area of the Christian life, and that's when we are the most prone to fall. It always sends shivers up and down my spine when a Christian says, I would never, or I won't. Or when they do the reverse and they say, I will. Because their guard has gone down. You're not beyond any sin. I'm not beyond any sin. No matter what successes I've seen in my Christian life, you realize that we never eradicate any sin completely from our life. Sometimes you stomp it down and its head goes below the surface, but it is just lurking there, looking for an opportunity, waiting for a moment when you are in weakness and it can just raise its head. Constantly are to be on guard. I've never arrived at any part in my life until I get to glory. Be watchful. Ninth, Having said that, don't be discouraged by what you see within. Be discouraged by what you see within. So often as we grow in Christ, the wickedness and the evils of our own hearts become more known. There are many Christians that become demoralized by this. 
I think that they are worse in Christ today than they were two years ago or six months ago or yesterday when more often than not, they just have a greater knowledge of their own sin. It's a great grace of God that He reveals our wickedness and our evil and the sinfulness of our hearts by degrees. We would absolutely all be completely undone if we saw how wicked our hearts truly are. We would have all been undone at the very outset of the Christian life if we saw ourselves even now, the glimpse we have now of our hearts as we've grown in Christ, if we had seen that glimpse at the start of our relationship with Christ, we would have been undone. It's a mark of His grace that He reveals it by degrees. Seeing more of your sinfulness is actually a true sign of your growth in Christ. It's the meek who inherit the earth. Paul could say, I am chief among sinners. Archibald Alexander illustrated it this way. He said it's like a person shut up in a dark room and they're surrounded by horrible objects in that room and a single ray of light shines into that room and he sees some of the more prominent objects in the room. And as the light gradually increases, he sees more and more of the horrific objects that he is surrounded by. It was all there before, but he didn't perceive it. And his increased knowledge of what is there is simply evidence of increasing light. So don't be discouraged. <laughs> it's actually encouraging that you see more and more of your sin. Tenth, be intentional rather than general in your pursuit of sanctification. Be intentional rather than general in your pursuit of sanctification. It's a subtle trap of our adversary that he concerns us generally with sin. And we are generally encouraged to righteousness. You will not make true progress in Christ by generally pursuing righteousness. And generally killing sin. You and I must aim specifically. No one gets anywhere by heading generally to somewhere. You have a destination. That's how you get there. We aim specifically. I want to kill this particular sin in my life. Greed, pride, lust, lying. And even being more particular than that, I want to start with killing anger in my life by not raising my voice at my children. And then even more particularly, I, I want to replace that anger with love and with patience. And so I'm going to start each day saying something to my children that I love about them. That's particular. Be particular. Specific in your pursuits of Christ. Eleventh, 
count even the slightest growth in grace as divine kindness. Count even the slightest growth in grace as divine kindness. Zechariah the prophet is awoken by an angel and he is shown a vision and in the vision he sees the beginnings of the temple being rebuilt and we are told in Ezra that the young men and the young women of Israel, that they rejoiced as the temple was beginning to be rebuilt, but the old men and the old women, they wept and they grieved. And we're told that they wept and they grieved because they could remember Solomon's temple and all the grandeur of Solomon's temple, and now that they are back in the land, they think that all of that former glory is going to be realized immediately, and they're beginning to see the building of this new temple the second temple, and it, it is a shadow compared to the glory of Solomon's temple. It's really fascinating what the Lord says to them. He says, do not despise the day of small things, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We so often despair when God is rejoicing. Small movements towards Christ-likeness are reason to rejoice. So often we think that if we are really mature in Christ, if we're really growing in Christ, my struggle with this sin would not simply diminish, it would disappear. That my desire to be more holy would not require so much effort. No more... Often than not, God works again by degrees. Every little step forward that you and I take in Christ's likeness, every sin that we just take a little bit of the edge off, that it just has a little less of a grip upon us, that we entertain it just a little less, the righteousness that you and I grow in just a little bit here and there, all of that is cause for rejoicing in heaven should be rejoicing for you and I. We so often miss what He is doing and the joy of thanksgiving because we're looking for something more dra dramatic and absolute in our lives. You are progressively, though you may not see it, you are progressively, Christian, growing in Christ. Remember David Powelson one of my favorite illustrations I've ever heard about sanctification, late David Powelson, where he said, Christian sanctification is like a man that goes upstairs with a yo-yo. Goes up and down the yo-yo. You're gradually moving upstairs. And you can feel that. You can feel the dips. <laughs> I can't believe I fell into that sin. I can't believe I've been walking like that. Ah, glimmer of hope. I see that I'm loving that person more. But I stop my mouth from gossip in this moment. You're progressively going upstairs. It's almost unnoticeable at times. More often than not, those around you observe it. We have trouble observing it in ourselves. Twelve, 
Recognize that you are not in a competition with others. Recognize that you are not in a competition with others. This is your sanctification. I've always been struck by the end of the Gospel of John where Peter is on the beach with the Lord Jesus and Lord Jesus is doing this threefold restoration of the Apostle Peter and he will ask him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter will respond with his cries of, you know, Lord, that I love you. And after that threefold restoration, Jesus then just says to him, simply follow me. And immediately, Peter looks over his shoulder. Follow me, looks over his shoulder. And he sees John. He says, what about him? Jesus' response to the Apostle Peter is he says, what is that to you? Follow me. Stop worrying about others, Peter. You've got enough to worry about yourself. You follow me. Don't compare yourself to others. We're each different. We're walking after the same Christ, but we each have our own walk. I had a dear friend who one day, he came to me and he said, Jason, if I named a chapter of the Bible, any chapter of the Bible, do you think you could tell me something that's in it? I said, well, I could uh, probably do that with some, maybe even most of the chapters in the Bible. I surely can't do it with all the chapters of the Bible. And he said, oh, I was just checking to see if it was normal because I can. I'm not him. If that's normal, I'm subnormal. Uh, I'm not him. I don't have his gifts. I don't have his abilities. I don't have his talents. I'm responsible for me, what the Lord has given to me. We each have our own lot. I'm called to be faithful with the talents that the Lord has given me. He isn't going to ask you on that last day whether you were faithful with the ten talents that he gave Joe Smith or Jane Doe. He's going to ask if you have been faithful with what he has given to you. Your gifts, your talents, your life, your circumstances, your possessions, your time, your energy. And on that last day, what we want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. And most, for most of us, and from what I can tell, the mass, vast majority of us, if we are faithful, he will say, you have been faithful over a little. Now, I will place you over much. Enter the joy of your master. So many we celebrate or even look up to today are not what they appear to be. Like looking at them through a side mirror on a car, there should be that warning, object appears bigger than it actually is. 
Jesus said, many who are first will be last, and the last first. The runner who is constantly looking around at all the others in the race, looking behind and even looking at those up ahead and comparing them to all themselves to all the rest around them, they've already lost the race. You're running your race. You want to finish well. Or Murray McShane used to pray over and over and over when you look through his biographies, he would pray over and over and over, Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be made. Finally, my overall encouragement, rest in his grace if you pursue sanctification. Rest in his grace. Our adversary is so good trying to take our eyes off the eternal hope that we have been given. None of us are what we desire to be. None of us are what we shall be. And yet, Christ still accepts us. (laughs) Because He's made us His own. I'm Jesus's, as we sang tonight, and Jesus is mine. Even as we're striving to walk as He walked, there's rest. Rest under the shadow of His wings. John Bunyan was reflecting upon this truth while considering the words of Christ when Christ said this. He said, And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. If you're wrestling with sanctification, it's because you've come to Him. Which means that He will in no wise cast you out. Bunyan said this, truth cuts the throat of all objections. It was dropped by the Lord Jesus for that very end and to help the faith that is mixed with unbelief. All of us sitting here this evening can say with that father of the child, Lord Jesus, I believe, help me in my unbelief. We all have a mixed faith. There's rest in that. Bunyan, in his brilliant pastoral way, wrote this. He said, but I am a great sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a backsliding sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against light, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out as Christ. If we have come to him, cannot be cast out. (laughs) This is something that's worth striving after because you can't fail to reach it. There will be a day, love how John says it, We know that we are not what we shall be. 
But when He appears, we shall see Him as He is. So we shall be like Him. That's promised to you. All you're doing here is seeking to be Come more by His grace, by the spirits at work within you. You're just seeking to become more like the one you love. And the one that you will be like someday. Perfect. All sanctification is. Fight the good fight. Walk as He walked, as much as you're able, by the power of His Spirit. Father, we are thankful. Thankful that there is a whole order of our salvation. Thankful that those that you have called, you have justified. And those that you have justified, you have sanctified. And those you have sanctified will be glorified. Thankful that it is a golden chain that cannot be broken. So we pray that we would be those who strive all your power at work within us. And yet also know the rest that comes under the shadow of the wings of your Son and our Savior. We would so love Christ. We would seek to walk as He walked in this world. And we look more and more like the one we love. We pray this in the strong name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.